What's up everybody? This is the Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert. My name is Brandon and I am the Expert. And I'm Ashlyn and I was the Betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the Recovering Addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. I'm gonna share our start today. And so many of you have found us through this podcast and aren't quite sure what our story is and where we've come from. And so we thought it was a good time to share yep. what that is. To be sure. So my journey, I guess this kind of starts with me. Um, I was first exposed to porn when I was seven years old. The girl across the street from me was like, hey, check out what my you know stepdad has on his, um, his headboard in his bedroom. And it was just a big sack of magazines. And I was one of those kids who was immediately like seized upon by a bunch of emotions that I totally didn't get. Like I totally didn't understand. And, um, and so it was, it was one of those things that kept after me, meaning like I, I sought access to porn from there on any chance I could. Which was not easy. 30 years ago. No, 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 for sure. Not, not, not at all. Th- you know, over Especially for ago. a seven-year-old boy. <laughs> Very well said. Um, but what happened was, is, is that, um, I mean, I, I felt a physical rush. I felt my body physiologically respond to what I saw. And instantly there was just this reaction. And that's what I, um, I didn't always pursue it. But it was one of those things where if I thought there was an opportunity to have access to it, then I totally exploded that opportunity. And so what happened was, is I became, um, as a kid, like I, I was just, a, I was a great kid. Second of seven kids, um, oldest boy. Uh, Christian family. Totally. And um, I, I was a good kid. But when those opportunities came up, I was manipulative and broke family rules and um, kind of like cultural norms in our family, not cultural norms, but like, like social norms in our family, like what behavior is okay. Like I would invite myself to friend's house to stay the night if I knew that they had porn. And so, um, it was a, um, it was a really interesting kind of reveal. If I reflect back on that, that continued through, um, really all through adolescence through junior and high school, but, um, became very curious, um, and promiscuity set in. Uh, late in elementary school and uh, through, through junior high and high school. And um, I I didn't understand what the effect was. Like I didn't understand what this would do long term for me. And so it was super important that um, I guess looking back on it was super, I mean, I wish I would have really kind of felt the gravity of what was happening, but I really didn't. So, I mean, porn and masturbation was part of it. I mean, Porn was introduced when I was seven. Masturbation was early teens, probably 13 or somewhere thereabouts. And um, and then that just led to promiscuity and so forth. But when I was 19, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to go on an LDS mission. So this is really going to change. Like, this is going to fix the problem. And you'll I be kinda, connected to God. You'll be serving all yeah, day long. Yeah, for sure. Like, like, it's a really good hope, for sure. And it was, it was a hope, but it was not based in reality, in, in truth. It was, like, not even a little bit based in reality. And um, I went emotionally unprepared for what would happen um, for the stresses of, of being a missionary. You see these you know, young kids in white shirts and ties and 
um, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And I just wasn't prepared. Six months in, I had acted out um, for the first time. And uh, that was the longest that I had ever gone with without acting out. Um, but what's interesting is in that moment, all of the shame and all the shame the guilt. That, that, and, and guilt, but especially shame that I didn't feel as a teenager caught up with me. And I felt like the very worst person this side of the heavens. And um, I, I felt, so, so the narrative in my head was you're a liar, you're no good. If people knew the truth about you, um, you'd be sent home, they wouldn't love you, you'd be a failure. And so the, the um, I became very, very good at controlling people's expectations um, that interact with me so that they would never, ever guess that I was, I was that guy who, who struggled in that particular way. Um, so every, every couple of months, every two, three months, um, I would act out simply and looking back on it, which is, it was stress relief that didn't just, that doesn't justify it at all, but it was, it was stress relief looking back on it. Cause I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. Yeah. I mean, really throughout your whole childhood and into your adult years, the way that you coped was pornography and masturbation, masturbation, or and, acting out with and connecting with girls. other girls, mm-hmm. not other girls, girls, <laughs> just girls for sure. Um, I got home two years later and thought, okay, um, I, and I, I played football at a junior college and thought for sure, okay, this is, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to school, I'm gonna play football, I'm gonna find a girl, and I I'm found gonna be a girl, stress free, and yeah, exactly. nothing's like, ever gonna. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Um, I still carried enormous amounts of shame um, while I was a missionary. But once I got home, I was like, I for sure um, can't share this with anybody. Like, especially someone I'm dating. Right. Because so we started dating. We started dating. and um, It was fast and furious. Totally was. Um, and I thought if I, like, Ashlyn was into me, she liked. Um, she said, anyway, she liked me and I liked her. And, and the truth is, is that I thought if I share this, it will ruin any chance I have of, of this girl, of being with this girl. Right. And so that was the narrative in my head was the truth is too hard and I can't share it. So we got married on a lie. Ashley and I got married on a lie uh, because I didn't disclose that I had this issue. And in truth, this was, I mean, this was back in 1998, 90, no, 99. We got married in 2000. Yeah, but we got, but we met in 1999 and in truth it was like, I didn't know that it was a full-on addiction, uh, and oh, nor was it sure. labeled that by any church leaders that I interacted and with. And to be super fair, I had a history with um, being around boys who had this issue, and it was treated very lightly. And so I was very naive in thinking if there was a problem, that it was a big deal. I had no idea how it truly would affect our relationship. Mm-hmm. So... I just knew we shouldn't do it, right? Totally. But the interesting thing was, is within a week of being, the week we came home from our honeymoon. Like something was off. Absolutely. Ashlyn's spotty senses went off. It was a disconnect. And um, Kobe started staying up late without me. Um, I would sit in bed or I would wake up mid, you know, late at night. And he would be outside, out in the family room watching TV and I would just lay there and think, I don't want to know what he's doing, but I mm-hmm. know what he's doing. Uh, so we didn't really talk about it. No, it I mean, was. I didn't want to talk about it. I certainly wasn't going to bring it up. So this wall began to form between us. And it was always there. 
um, what was it, a few years later that it finally came out? Mm-hmm. About three years later, three years into our marriage, um, Ashlyn uh, discovered that I was, you know, looking. I wasn't looking at porn. I didn't have access to porn all that much, but it was anything that was provocative, essentially. And, late uh, night and what, TV. Yeah, late night TV, whatever was titillating, whatever. And um, and so it, it came out, and it was just traumatic for both. It was traumatic for both of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to crawl under the biggest mountain I could find and just disappear. And, you know, I was... A- I'm not perfect now, but I was very different then. I was very black and white. <laughs> you both were. Well, I we was. We both were, for sure. We both were, but you uh, weren't. You weren't as black and white as I was. Maybe to yourself, you were. Yeah. But um, I looked at it like, this is wrong. So you're like, everything you're doing is wrong. And um, I was harsh. Yep. And I was mad. I was angry. You were in trauma. You were in betrayal trauma. Yes. And so I had all of these emotions. And they popped up as me being the bratty wife. The We would go to see his family and we would argue. And they would be like, your wife is so rude. And I would just sit, like go outside and just be like, gosh, if they would just know, if they knew what he was doing, maybe they'd give me a break. Uh, why does everyone think he's so perfect? And, and, I, <laughs> and, and to be fair to you. Because I told... No one. No, 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 no. Is as betrayed as you were. You were equally loyal um, and and more so loyal <laughs> to the wacko. extent of protecting me. But I. But that's also very normal. Just to be clear, like someone asked me yes two days ago. Like I just don't understand why you were so passive for so many years. It was fourteen years that I was pretty dang passive. Yep. Why did you stay? And um, sadly, that's not that abnormal. And it sounds terrible. Like, but I'm not the abnormal no. like, like I'm pretty normal it's pretty it's pretty challenging for couples and it was certainly for us to face the reality of, of the situation and and at this point in the game um it, I mean it took us eight years to have kids and so we we really buried ourselves I think that's one of the reasons why we we just didn't address it is because we buried ourselves in work uh for so long I traveled like three months of every year internationally um you were an award-winning kitchen designer and was super super busy and um, we just threw ourselves into work, and we just chose not to address this. Now, now, all that being said, with with the trauma that we that we had, the the betrayal and the addiction, mm-hmm. um, we had we had some really good moments. Oh heck yeah! We like had really we good had, memories. We had a lot of happy uh-huh. mixed in there, but we buried. We if this we topic. wanted to talk about it, if I wanted to bring up, hey, where are you at with things? Oh boy. It was a giant fight. Oh, for if, sure. I was defensive. If he wanted to talk about the way I treated him, um, why I was so, so angry, my dukes came up and so did yours. And it was never a constructive argument. It was just a fight. Yeah. It was and just a fight because she was in she was in trauma. So and I think both of us kind of avoided it. Like, I don't want to talk about that. Every time we do, we fight. Yeah. So let's just not talk about it. And that led to, I mean, that was a big emotional disconnect. When I'm in shame because uh, of my addiction when Ashlyn's in uh, the whole narrative of I'm not good enough and all of the all the mm-hmm. derivatives of are spinning in your head then we're both in shame and we just began to do like one of these right here emotionally right and, and truth, yeah we, we be, sorry <laughs> so they yeah <laughs> they don't know what you're talking about <laughs> exactly I'm, I'm 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 separating my hands in a slow trajectory but um we began to disconnect and in 2000 six I had uh, an emotional affair so this is six years into marriage mm-hmm. we knew the truth what was going on mm-hmm. um, but again 
we were that disconnected that you were going to someone else um, for the emotional filling up your cup, for feeling Mm -hmm. validated, for feeling loved. Um, You connected with this other woman. A lot of people don't understand what an emotional affair is. Um, They discount it. Um, I discounted it. Like, well, I don't really understand what that is, but I know you didn't touch her, so it must not be that bad. Um, yeah. And I certainly <laughs> threw that back in, in your face in, oh, in, for sure. in your defense. Like I, I, I literally hung on the letter of the law with that. Like no, nothing ever happened. There's no right. physical contact. But um, the odd thing is if you're a scripture person, um, it does say like if you're lusting after another woman, mm-hmm. your heart's not in it. So, and, and in truth, it wasn't. So uh, emotional affairs happen a lot more than a physical affair. Yeah. And they are, um, pushed to the wayside because they're technically not that bad, right? Totally. But it really hurts when your husband is going to pornography for the physical part and then to another woman for the emotional part. Basically, he has no need for you. <laughs> You're like cohabitating, right? We were totally cohabitating. And and that um, was, in as much as that was all happening, like the, the, the distance became greater. It was just full of tension. So um, we, I was found out in that affair by this woman's husband. And they contacted or, our religious or their leader. religious leader contacted our religious leader, and then I was pulled into um, my bishop's office, and he said, "Okay, this is the situation," and I said, "Well, Ashland's mean," and he said, "Okay, here's a therapist. Go see this therapist." And so all of a sudden, Ashland are sitting in this woman's home, and um, trying to figure out why Ashland is quote unquote. Why am mean. I so mean? <laughs> Going through like family history and all this stuff, and. And after, but I don't know, two or three visits, I think... She's like, I just can't find anything in your history that would make you act the way that you do. So Kobe says, well, there is this thing yeah. that I do. Yeah, and I said, I've, you know, I get this issue with um, with porn and masturbation. Or I've had experiences with it. I'm sure I downplayed it in a huge way. For sure. But um, she and she stopped everything and said, okay, that's exactly it. Kobe, you need to go to 12-step. Ashlyn, this is his issue. And So she that was gave a, me right she, to go sweet I don't have to do anything like I've been trying to pray this away so I'm just going to continue to pray it away I'm not going to go um, to therapy I'm not going to play a role in recovery I didn't even know there how, would was you, how would you even think though on your defense so how would you even think to go to therapy when the therapist in front of you is saying you don't this need is to. his issue he <laughs> needs to go I mean I mean and no and, it's kind of heartbreaking when I look back to that to me and say Clearly, I was hurt. Clearly, I was in trauma, and mm-hmm. I was showing up. That we were in therapy, and the this poor was, therapist saw she it. She was just out and, of her depth, and yeah, she knew she. And what's interesting is she was a sex therapist, but she was not a certified sex addiction therapist. And in truth, the specialty of having a, of being a certified sex addiction therapist um, is very, very new science based on uh, uh, very recent research. And so this was back in two thousand six when. I, don't, I, I mean, I had never even heard of yeah. what, a, what a CSET was, someone who specialized in sexual or, addiction. We've <clears> never <throat> even heard me. of pornography addiction or, or sex addiction or betrayal trauma or betra- like all of it. It was just like, yeah. this hurts. That sucks. I don't know how, you know, so what else is there? If you're, if you're out there listening to this story and you're thinking, man, why are we not making progress in as much as we've gone to therapy? I want you to remember that we were in that same place. And the reason why we were spinning our wheels is because we were working with people who didn't know about um, who, who who weren't um, not they weren't in. Valid- they weren't trained in sex addiction and they weren't validating both of us. You can go to a CSAT and be validated for the sex addict, uh-huh. but then the betrayed can feel very lost and not 
you know. For sure. Like, we didn't know what addiction so, was. We couldn't define it. We are um, not therapists, to be clear. We are not promoting ourselves. No. no We're promoting all the light and knowledge out there. For sure. What I'm saying is, is, is if you're wondering why you're spinning your wheels, then you need to evaluate... Am I am I with someone who is a specialist, not someone who's who's treated, who who is treated sex addiction or is working with people with sex addiction, but someone who's been trained specifically in sex addiction, who can also treat betrayal trauma, um, and is is actually really competent and skilled. Right. Okay. Because so, we didn't have that, and that's why we spun our wheels. So you went to twelve step. Um, you showed up on week one. You and got the book. Every you week. didn't do a dang thing with it. Nope. And you fully admit to that. <laughs> I yeah, had no I idea. Totally do. I would rarely, every once in a while, I'd ask him, like, how's it going? And he's like, oh, man. No, I think the guys you... have so much worse than me. Like, I'm really, I'm like here. And most guys at 12 Step are way up here. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not oh, as yeah. bad as them, right? That... Who's heard that one before? Yeah, probably for sure. all of us. Um, it, was, it was a classic case of, I'm not as bad, and other guys are in a way worse situation. It was just, I lived, I, I just lived in denial and, um, Spike just worked me with minimizing, justifying, rationalizing and, um, living in denial. So, um, going to 12 step, the only thing that really did, and, and I showed up at week one, went through week 12 and as soon as that was done, it was done. But, um, all that really did was just fill an hour of my night. Uh, when it I was leave. a little vulnerable though. It was like your first step into saying, I'm going to go to this place where it's, I might know someone. Mm-hmm. It's scary to, my, to go. It, that, that is that is true. So it did take some vulnerability, but but in true. And I remember sitting in the parking lot, going like heart pounding, like just feeling waves of shame before I went in. And it took courage to to walk into to that room. However, I simply wanted out of what was uncomfortable. I didn't want to fix it. I didn't want to um, become skilled enough to overcome it. So. We just yielded more of the same. So time went by. That that gave me greater seasons of sobriety in between relapse, but I was still traveling internationally. We didn't and, have kids still. Yeah, I didn't have kids, but I was still, I, I had longer seasons of sobriety, but I still was in addict mode and I was no more skilled, no more skilled at all. Right. Come 2008. We have our first baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working a little bit. You're still working. Mm-hmm. Um, then what? 2009, we move. And um, we're living in a different city, but I'm still traveling. And um, come 2013, we've had two kids now at this point. Two kids, and I have my I have a second affair, but it was not an emotional affair. Um, and it was after like really a t- really traumatic event for our family. Yeah, it was our girls' abuse, and I handled it as the mama bear. I went and I like just rallied around. I thought as a family, but it was now I look back and it was like me and my girls. And I would tag, you know, pull Kobe along, and it wasn't like I was resistant to any of the, no, any but of that he stuff. was checked out. I was, was I was really out. like numb because I did not know how to cope. recognize, deal with, or face any of the emotions, let alone cope. Like I remember being like, "Why haven't you cried? Like this is so that's totally traumatic." True. And the therapist, we were in therapy, a new therapist. This was number three at the time, yeah. and she said, why aren't you feeling this, Kobe? Like, this is a huge deal for your family. And just for the record, I'm normally like the, the, the person with the Oprah <laughs> moment in, in the house. Like, I cry way more than Ashlyn does, but she she cried consistently because she was actually she was actually dealing with the emotions. I was feeling it. She was feeling it, and I was supportive. I was right there. And I showed up, I went to all the meetings, the therapy that we, that right. we went he to. Right, he was there. 
and um, supportive in all the efforts that we did to take care of our girls. I was but emotionally numb. He was super numb, and the yep. therapist recognized it. I noticed it, yep. um, and it got to the point where someone in his life um, basically propositioned him, mm -hmm. and that white knuckling, that willpower. Oh man, it fails you every it time. It just fell apart because I, I had no skills to be boundaried when that situation arose. And because I wasn't skilled, that's what that's that's what happened. So, um, so that that lasted about four months. Um, to, and during that time, I had the gut feelings of like over. something is not right. And over and over and over, um, I I regret this now looking back that I wasn't I wasn't mindful enough to slow down and go to God and say, okay, I'm feeling all these gut feelings like. I can tell that my husband is a different man. Yeah. He acted different. He treated our kids different. He treated me different. Um, he went to church different. Like everything about him was different. Mm -hmm. And when I would call him out on it, he'd say, you're crazy. Like, it's you. You're the one. Classic addict behavior was just and, deflecting it and blaming it on them. Right. This is, and this is you. One thing that you said that I, it, I love because it's truth is he said, you know, I lied to Ashlyn for so many years and you'd manipulate and you mm -hmm. would turn things around. Totally. And the hardest part is that I believed it. Oh, and I was drinking my own Kool-Aid and I was buying all my own rubbish. But I believed it. I believed that I was crazy. And that is what betrayal trauma is. Like and, all and the all the craziness that's going on around you, you think you're making it up because they're manipulating out the facts right and oh, so for sure it was very confusing so soon um that after that ended we kind of um you got a new job um things kind of changed for us we're like okay we're gonna um i knew though th this is how things really changed for me i knew that if i was to die like after that had ended and i and i stood before god i was toast i was so screwed and i thought okay i've crossed a line and and it was my 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 past of addiction is one story after another of I'm not gonna this is the line I'm not gonna cross that I would cross it this is the line I'm not gonna cross that so it was kind of like this cumulative effect mm -hmm. of shame that built up over time and I thought okay I have to really fix this and Ashlyn saw a commercial for adult recovery on TV um, in like October actually no you went a step ahead of 13 I heard it from a friend so this is why we share you guys oh yeah 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 so my friend um, she had posted on, um, no, she invited me to like her page and it was called the togetherness project. So many of you probably heard of it. Uh, it was a private women's page that talked about betrayal trauma and she sent me this request and, um, I messaged her and I was like, JC, we went to school together. What do you know? Why are you sending this to me? She's like, I don't know anything. I, this is part of my own story. And she had gotten divorced and she said, I just want to help other people. And I was like, okay, this is amazing. So I look at it and I, I share for the first time in my entire life, my story. I do it over Facebook Messenger, like so many of you have done um, to us and to other people. And it was terrifying, but it gave me one validation. Oh my gosh, I have like, there's a reason that I feel so crappy. Yep. And I don't feel like myself. Um, <clears throat> She invited me to go to this conference, so I went, and I was terrified. Uh, one, that I would know anyone. Um, mm -hmm. She told me, she warned me, she said, there are people that you will know there, because um, she knew who was going. I remember this totally. And I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, I was already public as Mama Bear Fitness, so it, 
it scared me. I, I wouldn't be in pictures. I said, JC, I'm just not ready for this to be part of my story. I don't want people to know. Um, Cause we've done, we've done nothing at that point nope. except acknowledge that there was some science behind pornography and what it does to your yep. relationship in your brain. And, and that there was, there was science behind how I felt. So I came home, told Kobe about this. Uh, four months later, we saw that commercial and it was during a church conference mm-hmm. on TV. Um, Kobe is the one who he made the step to call Addo Recovery. Mm-hmm. We met with them. Um, we actually met, did we, we met with Amy the first time. Totally. So Amy is our therapist. Amy um, Andrish, she's the best. Yeah, she's the best. And she was the intake gal. So she listened to our story for an hour um, and it was scary. And then they came and told us, okay, this is what we think you guys need. And um, it was a specialized treatment plan just, just for, for us. Ashton That's I. why I love Addo is because it's not one size fits all. There's yeah. many treatment centers that are like, this is the, the guy does this, the girl does this. this. Yeah, is not that way. So depending on your own history, um, that's that's what we did. So we actually, I did a group, women's group. He did a men's group, and he mm-hmm. did an individual. So we actually went from seeing a therapist uh, together, a, a general therapist together, three different therapists, by the way. <laughs> to totally going separate. And their whole motto is work on the me before the we. And so we did. And that first. I would say four weeks was so uncomfortable. Uh, I don't think, I know I didn't feel comfortable, but I was like, I'm going to just keep going. I know I'm going to feel safe. I know that this is a safe group. Um, I felt a lot of comparison. Like my story is not big enough. I don't deserve to be here. These women have much harder stories. And um, I soon, after about four weeks, realized, holy crap, we all hurt the same no matter if your husband did this, this, and this, or your wife did that, you know, we hurt the same. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the, the symptoms of PTSD and that betrayal, like it's the same. Totally is. And so I chose to just embrace all of it. And um, it took a couple of weeks, but you got over it. And once you did, it was like. So I was in a really good cool. place. It was right. Really cool. So Amy is seeing Kobe. Individually. She's also seeing me in group. And when we first, when Kobe first met with her, he said, so I had this second affair, but I'm never telling Ashlyn, like I'm taking it to my grave. And Amy, the good therapist that she is, just said, okay. And then six weeks later, (laughs) um, we had six weeks, six weeks later, I mean, she was leading my group, Ashlyn's group in meeting with me. And she said, okay, you're ready. You're ready to share this with Ashlyn. And I embraced it and took it. And I was like, but I'm not ready to share it exactly today because we're going to go on a trip. Um, later this week and she's like nope you're sharing it and, I was and here's like, why Ugh. because we were headed to Disneyland we we're also headed to our friend Amber's wedding mm-hmm. and she said this trip will be ruined whether you tell her or yeah. whether you don't mm-hmm. she's going to connect the dots when she finds out and she's going to say it was all fake or she's just going to go into it and say this sucks and it's not ever going to be the same right yep for sure so we both worked from home at that point. You forgot to mention Kobe lost his job. <laughs> three weeks into recovery. <laughs> that was <and> awesome. <laughs> that was that was super challenging, but it only took us three weeks. And then we realized, oh man, even though we have we're like we have no income. Well, we had little income from my fitness. I even just though I didn't have a job. Um, we needed we needed to to find a way to make this happen, and that's a big issue for a lot of people, um, and, and that we have empathy for because. We realize how hard it is to face the, the, the reality of specialized therapy and the cost of it. 
insurance doesn't cover it. It's hard. It's a huge sacrifice. So for but it is important because it makes people invest in themselves and it makes people committed because we were not committed with a twenty dollar copay every time. We oh my went. gosh, we guys, we went to a twenty dollar copay for eighteen months yeah. while Kobe was having an affair. It was yeah. we were not committed to be sure. <laughs> to be sure, we were just enjoying insurance. It really sorts out the people who are ready and who who aren't. And so and we weren't for so long. No. So. But um, we just found out a way to, to make it happen, plain and simple. So he came home. I, we both work from home. So he came and sat me down on the couch and said, I need to tell you something. Mm-hmm. And he flat out told me uh, right there on the couch. And I remember sitting there going, like I'd already learned all these new skills of mm-hmm. deep breathing and taking it in before I reacted. And um, it didn't seem real. Like how... How is this happening? It's He's telling me he had an affair a year ago. And I just sit there and I start to connect the dots quickly yep. in my Very head. Quickly. Like, wait, I knew. I asked you if you were having an affair. I knew. And you told me no. And um, I just, um, I don't even remember what I said. But I left the room. There was a lot of things that were unsaid, I think. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say much. I left like, the room. Ashlyn's an internal processor, so she just processed a ton. I went to the bathroom and I just cried and cried and cried. And as Kobe said, I'm not a crier. And um, I still, I took a, a selfie because my therapist, therapist Amy, Amy texted me and she said, are you okay? And I texted her a picture of me. I looked terrible. Um, and I still keep that on my phone. Not that I like stare at it all the time, but it's a huge reminder to me of how dang far I've come from that day of like my world is has crumbled for sure and there is no hope and sure. why did i wait all this time only to find this out yeah that was that was tough it was really hard when we got home from our trip um ashlyn said okay we're gonna do an in-home separation i don't know if i'm gonna stay with you um i don't know what's gonna happen nor do i know how long this is going to be but i'm just gonna watch and see like watch i need you. to be safe i needed to be in my room by myself you know getting ready by myself um and being able to journal, to pray alone, yep. just to be alone. All and those things. So we still function very much together because we both work from home. Uh, so he would get up early and I chose, I said, I'm working out every morning. If you choose to join me, that's on you. I'm not waking you up. Um, and we did that. The girls were in our home. Meaning like I, I was, uh, I mean, by that time, by the time Ashlyn had, had decided we we're going to do home separation, I had dailies in place. Um, I had bottom lines in place and um, I was just, I was all in. I was, I was all in because more than anything, I knew that whether or not we stay together, if I don't take care of this, I'm just toast. There's no way I'm going to be able to make this. So um, we both really kind of gave ourselves permission to let go of any eventual outcome and just focus on the day, the <laughs> day, like what I need to do just today. And, um, like that last that new home separation lasted six weeks and they were really important six weeks because we were I, I was like the first nine months of, of specialized therapy I was individual group and 12-step essay every week for nine months and so we just put our heads down and we went and we began it to was develop. basically our part-time job <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> it totally really was. was it totally was and it was maddening at times um, frustrating like why are we ha- why do we have to spend all this money and this time on babysitters and therapy like I was mad at you, this isn't fair. I didn't choose this, and it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kept going, and um, I started a shame group, 
which was based on Brene Brown material. And I believe that is when my recovery just soared. Yep. Um, I realized that the feelings of I'm not enough and I was very, I, I was not boundaried at -hmm. all. Um, I said yes to everything. I had a lot of resentment towards people. Um, I mean, took a step back from, from church in some ways. Um, because, um, that was just, I mean, that was a really hard place. We, we went to, um, we just, we just went through a lot. But ultimately, we figured out how to be boundaried, and we figured out how to um, how to protect ourselves, um, how to take care of ourselves, and we just put our heads down and went. And what's interesting is um, we began to make progress. One, um, I don't know, kind of like one month at a time. We just we kept turning corners. Ash would come home from group, and she would say, "Hey, this is what I learned." And by that time that Ash was going through her shame group, I start, Amy was teaching was teaching my group, and so we started to learn about shame. And um, so what, what happened was we became more, sh- we didn't realize this was going on, but our shame resilience was, was, um, was on the rise for both of us, for Ashlyn's betrayal and for my addiction. But also a lot of self-love and compassion, forgiveness of oneself, um, acceptance of mm-hmm. who we were and where we were at, totally. which we ne- neither of us had ever had. And oh, I certainly didn't have. No. That's for sure. And so it was a huge deal for us. Yep. So about 16 months in, um, I'm doing one of my dailies uh, in the kitchen, listening to um, a, uh, a spiritual talk. And um, I heard this line, which was a quote from a Shakespeare play. Uh, and the line was, "'Twas I, tis not I. When, and that was this man's response from this woman who said, hey, aren't you the guy who, who tried to kill his brother you know, years ago? And he said, "'Twas I, tis not I, because he had converted to Christianity." And I realized in that moment that empirically I could say all of my actions and my thoughts were night and day different from when I was in addict mode. And that's when I forgave myself. And I also realized that God was just waiting for me to forgive myself. He was, he'd already forgiven me. Like the price had already been paid for me, but I actually owned that. And that's when shame left. That's when shame about addiction left and that's when that was kind of like the pinnacle of um shame resilience for me if you will so um in that moment i realized okay we've got to share the story and i don't know um i don't know what that means but we reached out to out of recovery and just said hey we'd like to give you a little testimonial about our journey because we we love this we're doing great by that time i'd been sponsoring like about four guys for about six months you had to sponsor yourself who you had to sponsor still myself have today. totally and they um, uh, called us in and said, Hey, we have uh, di- something different in mind. We want to do a videos. And we were like, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I was okay with it. I, me, because I had, I no had to fear. think on it because my fear was we went so long in isolation. We still hadn't told our family. We still had only told, you know, a handful of people that we felt safe with. And so it was, it was terrifying to me to say we're going to put it all out there um but also quite kobe you were from home but what if you ever want to go back and get a job it's going to be out there are you sure you want this and i was like i like i don't care (laughs) there's been very few times in my life when i have been absent of fear that was one of them I, i like it like the most important thing was helping people and i really think that was just motivated from a place of love and empathy because i know what it's like to be in darkness well and i wanted to give hope 
and light to those who have who had been or who were in my shoes. Right, and isolated. So um, I kept pushing the whole, Brene Brown says that we shouldn't share our story if we're not shame resilient. Like, I knew I was ready. If you are not ready for the hate, then don't share it. And um, I kept going back to, okay, well, my friend JC, who shared her story with me on social media, changed my life. Changed my life. So why on earth am I not viewing it the same? Like, this could be life-altering for so many people for us to just say, here's our story. Mm-hmm. So we said yes, and um, we shared our story publicly um, right after we renewed our vows on the Bonneville Salt Flats, which was mm-hmm. a really cool day. Mm-hmm. Um, we chose to ch- um, share with our families, um, just our immediate family, two weeks before our vows. So we told them our whole story, which is very different, I know. Um we chose to be very isolated. Um, they didn't make us be isolated. They, we chose it. And um, when we decided to um, share, it was because we wanted to include them. We wanted them to be a part of our vows. We were also, we chose to share when we were feeling really good, mm-hmm. which is, you know, unusual. Um, so they didn't have a ton. They were proud. They were proud of Kobe. They were... Um, My dad came to Ashland when we told them here at our house and he was really, he was the only one that went to Ashland and just said, thank you for staying, which was super yeah, cool very because meaningful. my dad, my dad's a licensed clinical social worker, but he's the classic, like, um, this is with all love and due respect to landscapers, but metaphorically speaking, my dad's a landscaper whose yard is never done. My dad does not do hard stuff personally, but he can do it all day and does do it all day with other people. But he had the wherewithal to say, to recognize what actually happened. And that was, Ashland stayed and he's super supportive and so as honest as Kobe can be sometimes about his dad his dad is super supportive and he's there when we speak at events and things and it's nothing that my dad hasn't heard me say nor would I say if he if he (laughs) I I would say the same thing if he was here true but um so that was crazy the vows were amazing it was um the that day we were more connected and more happy than the actual wedding day that was was it 16 no 15 years before yeah which is nuts um, because you think your wedding day is like the most amazing day. But mm-hmm. to be able to be vulnerable and to be real and authentic is very different yeah. than just being in love. To be sure. And um, from there, it, here we are. <laughs> it's been this crazy thing that we shared and had this outpour of people from around the world. It's kind of weird. We were like not prepared. probably like a week we were kind of like engulfed in comments and responses and people at our doorstep, uh, people supporting us. Mm-hmm. That's pretty um, cool. It was a lot of love. And so that was much the show. Love. Like 99.9% love. We, we think that shame tells us that if people were to know our quote unquote dirty laundry, that they would reject us and think we're the worst. But in truth, when we can be authentic and share what's really hard, people rally around you. And there might be some who, some naysayers, but we didn't have those people show up. No. We didn't have those people show up. At so, least they didn't tell us they showed up. Yeah, <laughs> to be sure. Um, and um, So the cool thing anyways. is part of recovery is connecting. Um, connecting with each other, connecting with people around us and getting out of that isolation. Um, does it mean you have to share like we have? Heck no. Nope. Um, does it mean when someone comes to you and says, I'm struggling, you can say me too. Yes. Like absolutely. That is the best time to share, um, 
is to just reach out to people. For sure. So <laughs> that is our story. And and in truth, really, the what what's cool about this is I can I can really honestly and 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 before you guys and before the heavens say that it, I was I was moved upon that day to say let's share this and Ashlyn bought into it and <laughs> she 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 bought into it but um but that was really just from a desire to 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 give hope and to share and to help oh this... I, I have to say this the coolest part is that people told me because I already had this larger following on mom bear fitness mm-hmm. they said you're gonna lose that business if you share this people oh, yeah. are gonna desert you and it's totally not been the case actually no. <laughs> Not even a little bit. You know, and I was so afraid to share it with them because I thought, you know, this doesn't have anything to do with fitness or nutrition, but it has everything to do with health. It really does. It totally does. Like, my inner health has been changed dramatically. And yes, I've included health um, on the outside, of, you know, and nutrition, but it's all inter- intertwined for us in such a big way. Um, we share now through a podcast, which we started in January with Brandon, who we actually never went to therapy with. He was just a therapist that we mm-hmm. got along great with at Addo Recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now on his own. Mm-hmm. And he just said, hey, Kobe, what do you think about doing a podcast? And I was like, that's, I don't have no idea what that means, but cool. Let's, <laughs> what the heck is let's, podcast? let's do some, let's do some good. And, and it was like, I had already been sponsoring guys. I had start, I had monetized that into a, a business to, um, to sponsor guys in a specific skill in, in a set. very specific thing it wasn't it's not it's not therapy but it's just learning a skill set of recovery um, and and that I was moved upon to do um, we <laughs> the podcast it was just another one of those things hey do we think we can do some good with that yeah okay let's try it um, we started doing workshops to help people um, to to help share our experience and and to share some insights and some and some experience to help couples become more skilled. That was something that we, that we were moved upon just to do, to help people. Um, and I mean, so was there's one thing after another to, to do this. No, I mean, we've no. started, we've started um, doing men's groups for the, for the addicted rather than just doing one-on-one. And then we've started women's groups to teach them the skills of betrayal, of recovering from betrayal trauma. And it's just, I was so scared. Kind of they snowballed into the I've theme. been asked to do those for a year and a half from out um, of recovery and I just kept saying no no I'm not ready I'm not ready because the format wasn't right and we weren't ready but I didn't understand how it could be a good thing um, betrayal trauma is kind of icky sometimes it's hard and I didn't want to go back into that place and we hadn't and seen really a platform where it had when it was a group like that was yeah was healthy and successful <laughs> and um, so in, in truth I guess the big thing with this is we just want you guys to take away well you're probably gonna take away a number of things but but most of all <laughs> Um, whatever we have done to, to share hope and to share, um, I don't know, our skills and whatever, it's simply just been to help people. I would have never, ever in a thousand years guessed that number one, I would be working recovery. But number two, I would have forgiven myself. Um, and number three, um, been in this place in my life to help people. I just, it just wasn't on my radar. And I think that's Neither part of, of the thing I was okay with, that we were okay with is like. And honestly, you guys, the, the, the cool thing is now we have this podcast, which people are finding in the most random ways all totally. over the world. It's um, weird. But we have, cool. Brandon's finding people. We're fi- and it's just cool to see that it doesn't matter how old you are. 
um, what race you are, religion, um, what sex you are. People it are all people. feels the same. Like a lot of the the symptoms, everything, they all are the same. And mm-hmm. so um, if you're watching, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, like this feels the same, mm-hmm. you're not alone. Like we not are alone. not the only ones who share. The world could use a thousand more couples who are choosing to share like we and do. Needs it. And it would not be enough. Um, the world just needs more. more, more voices who are sharing that there's hope and healing. Uh, even if you're not still married to your spouse, if you both chose to get help or one of you chose and you're in a healthy place, my goodness, the world needs to hear it. That's all there is to it. Preach. <laughs> all right. Preach. We're done. We Guys, done. thanks. If, if you have seen any value in this, um, if, you've, if you're listening to this right now, please share this story. And in truth, you really don't know who this who's struggling or who could touch. And really, this isn't, if you share this this podcast about our story, it's not a direct correlation with you and a story that you haven't shared. You can even give a disclaimer. Totally, right? <laughs> I do not share their story, but. <laughs> and that's okay. But I think what the world needs is a little podcast like this to give hope to people in a world that really just looks like it's <laughs> going to pot. Right. And um, there, there's, there's very little hope in the world and so if this gives hope that couples can endure and and uh and persevere then want to do that and for for you guys who are watching on on facebook yes so the cool thing is i'm going to just tell you this real quick i would see friends share um our videos in the past our four minute videos of our story and then their friends would reach out to me privately they would never tell the friend who shared it and so um, I've never told the friends, you know, like, by the way, have you noticed that we're all three linked or something? You never know who you've helped um, to find some, some help. To facilitate someone right. who needs help to find it. So it's it's a cool thing. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoy seeing who where people come from. Yep. Share this. Social media can be good. <laughs> share this on Facebook. Share. Are you on Instagram? Is this Instagram right now? It's all of it. Share okay. it. <laughs> share it because um, it can do some good. But most importantly, thanks for being here. Appreciate your support, guys. Yep. Keep on keeping on. All right. Bye.